Super Talk Mississippi media production. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the story straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi Minute. That's right. You're tuned in in a Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar. I want to remind you that once we make it through this ordeal, folks, I'm thinking about you all today. An adventure in Mississippi will be awaiting you. Go to visit Mississippi.org to find out more. I'm coming to you from the Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studios. Yep, today, oh baby, is an old pal of mine that I really needed to get caught up with. Since moving back to Mississippi, I've lost touch with so many, and I should not have lost touch with him. The year was 1991 when I moved to Nashville. I had a lunch with today's guest where we met, and he was at the time scouting talent for RCA and was looking for a hat act. Well, unless it was a baseball cap on backwards, I was not that act. <laughs> but I'll never forget how kind he was to me and letting me down ever so graciously. Over the next couple years, we would compete in Music City golf tourneys. And before you knew it, we were partners. For some reason, though, we never, ever really wrote together. We just played golf all the time until one day, along with my sidekick, Jason, voila, I Don't Have to Be Me Till Monday was born. Go figure. He co-wrote big songs in his day for Ronnie Millsap, Bobby G. Rice, Barbara Mandrell, and with yours truly, of course, Steve Azar. He's a very accomplished singer-songwriter recording artist as well, in his own right. He even wrote a lot of what you heard on the Mandrell Sisters' primetime hit series back in the day. He had a successful career, a lot of big hit duets with his former wife, Louise Mandrell, uh, I just, I remember so many of them. I can't wait to dig into it. And he also co-penned such big number one songs as Only One Love in My Life for the late, great Ronnie Millsaps. And most importantly, man, oh man, he's a good man. So let's get to it and celebrate the wonderful life well fought for and lived by R.C. Bannon. Hello, R.C. Hello, buddy. How are you? Gosh, oh my gosh. I just I want to get out on the golf course with you right now. I want to go right <laughs> with you. Are you are you in Texas or are you in Nashville? No, I'm in Nashville. This in this in this uh modern era versus the past. Great songs are still great songs are still great songs. When did you feel like when you were growing up that you finally were in the game? You know, because so for me, I had a time, a pivotal moment. I think it was right and waiting on Joe that I realized it, I didn't even think it was a song. It was a song, and it was sort of ironic in that regard. But when was it for you? Well, it was in 19, 1970, and a young man by the name Mike Benutter walked into the uh, Palomino Club in Los Angeles, and I was there playing with my band, and. Uh, 
he came up and said, can I talk to you after you're uh, off? And I, so we sat down and talked. And to make a long story short, he said, uh, listen to you singing Proud Mary and uh, a few of your songs. And uh, I must say, you're not very good, are you? And uh, <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was a pivotal moment in my life. <laughs> It's funny. We remember those so well. Okay, so it, oh, so, yes. so keep coming. There's got to be more to this. Yeah, well, he said, um, I'm not talking about your singing or performing. I'm talking about uh, songs you're writing. And you sound like a somebody who probably writes two or three songs a day. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm real proud of that. And he said, uh, <laughs> well... You're just not very good. You sound like a little squirrel in a cage just spitting out songs. They just roll off the tip of your tongue, and they don't have much meaning. And would you like to learn, because you have so much talent, and would you like to learn how to write songs? And I said, yeah. And uh, he said, all right, here's my conditions. I don't want any money. I don't want... uh, Anything at all, don't want half your publishing or uh, half writers or anything. I just want to see you succeed. And uh, wow, he said, I want you to get off it. You get off at two o'clock. I want you in your room at two thirty. I want you behind a guitar and write from two thirty to six thirty. If you give me six to four hours a night, six days a week, I'll make you a hit songwriter over time. And I didn't know that time meant six long years. Um, <laughs> but it was uh, it was six long years before I knew that I could uh, compete in um, one of them, and so I moved to Nashville. Okay, so we got to back up now because, you know, I love you saying those six long years. I remember, first of all, when I came to Nashville f- my last time, so I was in my in my upper 20s, and I remember yeah. going, they go, it's going to take you a year. And I said, a year, my tell. There's no way, a year. Well, it took a lot longer than a year. So <laughs> so anyway, uh, but but take me back, though, first. First of all, I know you as a heck of an athlete. So I, I know that you had to have played some sort of sports growing up. Did you ever have any inclination uh, that sports may have been your – your way of going it was there a particular sport that you excelled in as a kid i'm just i've never asked you this i just i know to watch you play golf that there was more than just golf that had you know because you just it looks so natural yeah i i uh i played golf in high i played golf i played uh, football in high school and um i uh, thought i was real good until one day uh guy clipped me from the back end with uh and my knee couldn't support that and it went out yeah. and uh so I, that ended my football <laughs> career <clears throat> and I'd always been able to write songs. Um uh, I wrote my first song when I was eight and it was uh, called Dishes, Dishes, Dishes That's All I Ever Do. And uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm real mad at my mom. Yeah, you are. I looked out my, my back window, our, our kitchen window, looked out over a field, and all my buddies were out there playing uh, golf, not golf, um, baseball, 
and I wanted to go out and play baseball with the guys, and I was real ticked. And I said, dishes, 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 that's all I'll ever do. Dishes, dishes, dishes. <laughs> Seems like I'll never get through. Sometimes I stand around, sometimes I ball and cry. But dishes, 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 I'll get through by and by. <laughs> and I, I said, like a lot of people, I'm a songwriter. <laughs> hey, listen, hey. We've heard other things that were not quite as uh, profound as that that's made it to the radio. Yeah, really. I love Red it. Solo. Red Solo Cups, yeah. I, what I love is golf's on your mind at all times, and we're going to talk about your golf game in a little while, but, but I want to back up. So just like me, just like a lot of our pals, we started really young. We were something attracted us to writing songs. I had a guy named Eugene Powell that hung out behind my dad's liquor store, great blues legend. Uh, I didn't know that, but you know, I was nine, I was 10 years, 10 years old, 10 years old. And that hooked yeah. me. Was there, was there anything in particular? Did your mom and dad play music all around the house? Was there any sort of moment that you said, oh, I want to start writing my writing words on paper? Not really, but there was a moment that uh, when I was four years old, my dad had church in Amarillo, Texas. He was a uh, Pentecostal preacher, and we went to Amarillo to hold a, a meeting and um, had this brother, Conley Gann. He came up to me, and I sang a, a hymn of the hour every Sunday morning, and he came up to me, and he said, young man, <laughs> I'll give you 50 cents if you'll uh, dedicate a song to me this morning. And so I got up, sang a song, and I said, this is dedicated to Brother Conigan. <laughs> I sang, is he satisfied? And I came down after church. I came down and held out my hand, and I said, Brother Gann, did you hear the song I congregated for you? And he said, yes, I did, son. <laughs> and here is 50 cents. And I went, wow. So then, <laughs> 1949, you could buy mm, hamburger, milkshake, everything for 50 cents. Yeah. And um, then the next week, I got up, dedicated a song to somebody in the audience, and asked them the same question. I said, did you hear my song? 50 cents. And I expected them to give me 50 cents, and they didn't understand that <laughs> Brother Gann gave me 50 cents. And right then, I knew I wanted to make music. Um, it was just built in my Pentecostal life. Wow. With my pal R.C. Bannon in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studios, right here on In a Mississippi Minute, I'm Steve Azar. I want to remind you that this too shall pass. And once it does, a Mississippi adventure will be awaiting you. Just go to visit Mississippi.org and see what I'm talking about. Whether you're a rebel, a bulldog, a golden eagle, or just a sports fan, Super Talk Mississippi has got a podcast for you. For you. Sports Talk Mississippi, The Rebel Report, Thunder and Lightning, The Super Talk Eagle Hour, and The Borky Show are all now available for you. And it's all free. Free. Get them all on demand at supertalk.fm and on your smartphone. Just search for Super Talk on iTunes, Google Play, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. You're listening to In a Mississippi Minute with me, Steve Azar. Don't forget, 
that once we're past this outbreak, there will be some great things to do right here in Mississippi, from events to unique places to visit. Just go to visitmississippi.org to find out more. I'm Steve Azar. Like I said, I'm with my pal R.C. Bannon, and we're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. Uh, we, we go way back. Um, I feel like, I prob- I, it feels like we've known each other ever since birth. Uh, you, we spent a lot of uh, crucial days for me. A lot of my crucial days were with him, and uh, I'm better for it when I spent my time in Nashville and uh, wrote my biggest song with this guy, and, and it was uh, it was just wonderful to to experience that together because we were such good friends. Uh, RC, how's Natalie doing? She's doing fine. She's uh, working. Uh, she works from the office uh, three days a week, and um, she's over there uh, slaving away so I can do other things. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, a songwriter type. Hey, hey, RC, you, you you brought up retiring for five years. I, I can't imagine you ever. I, first of all, I I don't ever want to retire from this. So what was? And, and I know my our our pal Anthony Smith said he sort of laid low for seven or eight years. He didn't use the word retire, but he pretty much just went away um, after a huge run he had. So, but he's back now, and he said he feels great, and he's playing now, and all that, and. What was it like to retire? Was it was it something you actually did? You're telling me that you didn't pick up your guitar and write one song in five years? No, no. I wrote some of my better songs. Nobody's ever heard them, but uh, I wrote some of my better songs in that five years when I was in Texas. And I really um, thought I'd just come back uh, and do the mentoring thing and continue to write songs. And uh, I happened to have a stroke one day. Yeah. And uh, I don't mean a stroke of genius. I mean a, hmm. uh, a come-to-Jesus moment type yeah. stroke. Yeah. And um, since that time, I have not written a song that's been nine, nine years ago. Uh, wow. I can't formulate. I can tell you what's wrong with your song. Right. But I can't formulate uh, putting it down, starting it, uh, finishing, and uh, playing guitar. Uh, when I had the stroke, I told Natalie that, uh, well, at least I can write songs. And when I came home from the hospital, I picked up my guitar and found out that my right hand had no rhythm whatsoever. And I was a rhythmic player like of course. you. yeah. And... Um, that kind of like whoa wait a minute and then i found out i couldn't write i uh, mm. it, it was the biggest shock to me in the world so did you go through uh, was it a tough time rc just personally just like uh hey. something being that's something that that that's been in your fiber your you know ever since you were yeah. eight like you said so yeah. did you go through some depression or you you know yeah I went through depression and I went through rehab for about six months of trying to uh, get all that together. And um, my typing was, uh, I was one uh, key off from uh, where you put your hands on the keys. I was forever one key off. And uh, my typing is real slow now. And uh, uh, it just, I felt if the Lord could have taken anything from me, uh, it wouldn't be my writing. That was a, that was a thing that I cherished most in my life was what I could do. 
And uh, to find out you can't do it anymore is tough. Yeah. God bless my brother. Man, I've got a lot of friends now who've had, who've gone through this stuff. You know, uh, actually, Chris Rich, who, 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 I've, who I actually interviewed as well after his stroke, um, he, he played Reba's ex on Reba, and he played Brock. And it just hit him, and it really knocked him down hard. I had, I had uh, my uh, Natalie said that I had a little bit of signs on a Sunday night before, and we had a, a Monday meeting every Monday and uh, at the office, and I was driving into work, and it kept pulling to the right. The car kept pulling to the right, hmm. and I kept pulling it back in line and didn't understand what was going on, and... Uh, I got to the office and we had a had our Monday morning meeting. And they came around to me to ask questions and so on to the work. And I, I can I could hardly uh, I was stammering around a little bit. I didn't say much like I can normally talk to a wall, but yeah. I just couldn't uh, formulate anything. And my mind was getting all screwed up. And I went downstairs, met the two people from Seattle, said. Uh, um, listened to a portion of a one song and I said, well, let's go on to the next song. And I listened to a little bit of it and I shut it off and I said, I'm sorry, folks, but uh, I think somebody better take me to the hospital. And evidently, I was having um, um, signs of a stroke then. They said, yeah, we do too. And so that was it. Um mm. It just it, it never strokes are funny because they don't hurt anybody except you <laughs> mentally. Yeah, yeah. Um, they don't uh, show signs of like a heart attack type thing or something. I know it's been a, <clears throat> a rough road, and I appreciate you sharing that with our audience because that educates as well. All right, I want to yeah. I want to I want to move to the day of moving to Nashville from oh well before i want to talk about you being a dj well i mean you know you know it's not always what you read on wikipedia that's correct but that's got to be right okay so tell me what was going on here did you have like the whole setup well um you see i <clears throat> going back uh, when i was in high school i was a dj on sunday and um every sunday morning and as I was doing all those things, and then I uh, had a lapse there, I had my first marriage, and nothing against the lady, but uh, she didn't want me in the music business, and uh, so I felt the next best thing to it was running records, and uh, played records, and everything was uh, <clears throat> going good. That's the reason that I'm, uh, I really could remember records so well because I played them uh, all format, but uh, I was changing format from Tacoma, Washington. I had moved up from little areas around Washington, and uh, I was playing Tacoma, and I was going to Seattle, and that's only 35 miles apart, so I <clears throat> couldn't use my real name. You know, I was using my name on on the air, and I couldn't use my real name. So ah. they said, "Aha!" They said, "When uh, we want you to have a new name when you come to the station." I said, "Well, uh, okay." So I I pull up to a red light. I know this sounds fictitious, but I pull up to a red light, and 
I was drinking a can of RC Cola. Of course you were. <laughs> and I and I drank that, and I saw that big red RC, and I said, ah, that's it. And so I, my real name was Dan Chipley. Right. And so I called the radio station and I said, how about RC Chipley? Nah, the Shipley doesn't sound very good. So I kept searching and came up with Bannon, and that's that's how that started. Right, wait, 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 um, wait. R.C. Bannon. So Bannon, there's you didn't see it like in lights, or I mean, where would Bannon come from? Was there an actor or Bannon? No, Bannon came out of a, a name book. I just kept filtering through names, and I finally came up with uh, Bannon. That this seemed to stick. Wow! And, um, wow! It's been there ever since. Ever since. Uh, wow! I remember uh, somebody. Time. We were. I remember somebody was calling you Dan, and I kept going. Yeah. Why is that person calling him Dan? You know, like I was like, <laughs> and I kept going, and you kept answering. I said, "What's going on here?" I mean, this was after years, and then I and think then, that, that was one time with my brother, who we were out playing golf, and I think he's calling me Dan. Well, when I saw you, you put that, you you used that name in our writing deal. And I said, yeah. I said, right. who the heck is that? He wasn't in the room. There's <laughs> that guy Dan again. He's everywhere. I love it. It was such a learning thing. And Gwen goes, she, uh, Gwen said, uh, oh, I thought back then it was Mark Allen Spring. And Mark goes, I think that that's RC. And I said, no, it's not. But somebody has been calling him Dan lately. I said, why would he tell me this? <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, RC, you get to play DJ. Uh, we are yep. the birthplace of American music. I know you were born in Texas, and you spent time in Seattle and Los Angeles, and there's been grunge music. There's been all this Texas blues and all that. I get it. I get it. But we are the birthplace of American music in Mississippi. So would you like to hear either Bobby Gentry or Conway Twitty? Bobby Gentry. I like it. I'm Steve Azar. You're listening to In a Mississippi Minute, reminding you that once we get through these trying times, and folks, we will. An adventure in Mississippi will be awaiting you. Go to visitmississippi.org to find out more. We're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studios with a beautiful man, my buddy R.C. Bannon, big old hit songwriter. Brother Mary Becky Thompson, they bought a store in Tupelo. There was a virus going round, Papa caught it and he died last spring. And now Mama doesn't seem to want to do much of anything. And me, I spend a lot of time picking flowers up on Choctaw Ridge. Tallahatchie Bridge. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. So many times these few dreams of mine seem hidden. With my pal R.C. Bannon in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studios, right here on In a Mississippi Minute, I'm Steve Azar. I want to remind you that this too shall pass. And once it does, a Mississippi adventure will be awaiting you. Just go to visit Mississippi.org to see what I'm talking about. R.C. and I could spend a, Miss, a Mississippi decade together uh, and catch up. Yeah. R.C., your first break. 
real break. Take take me to the to the birthplace of that. Well, the first real break, I was, uh, put a record out on my own, own label, and I was uh, taking them around to stations, and uh, I went through Dallas, and Dallas loved the record, and uh, they started playing it a lot, and they caused Houston to go on it, and wow. uh, the Columbia man, uh, I mean, not Columbia Capital Records, a promotion guy, the dish shack, you talk to them, and uh, so that was my first official big time record label was Capital, and uh, that lasted one record. Was it the same <laughs> record you cut? It was the same record. They did a lot of work, didn't they? <laughs> they did a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember when you, uh, uh, I was hired by, uh, I don't remember what your first record label was, but uh, I was hired by them to go down to Chattanooga and sit, and by the way, y'all didn't know it, but I sat at a golf range, and I was hitting balls, and I had the radio out there, and I would uh, count how many times your record was played. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you knew that or not. Oh, you know what? I totally forgot. You and I took the road trip together when you sent the roses. (laughs) Wait a minute. We were in Kansas. So I was on this independent label where I made a God, just really horrible record. But the songs were good, but... (laughs) But R.C. and I were on the road, and R.C. and I decided that we got to get to the next record, but and we got to survive it, so we got to go sell who you are, who I am. So it was in the mid-'90s, and we were in Kansas, and I remember (laughs) you got quiet for the first time on the trip. I think we were in a Jaguar driving, weren't we? Like a rented Jag? Yeah, that's (laughs) exactly right. Okay, it's all coming to me. So all of a sudden, we leave, and you're quiet, and I'm going, like, what's wrong with R.C.? You get the phone, you start calling, you start ordering flowers <laughs> for the girl. You were enamored. <laughs> and you know what the funny thing was? That station in Manhattan, Kansas, was owned by Mike Kennedy. And Mike Kennedy became one of my soldiers. So when I Don't Have to Be Me Till Monday was written over a bucket of Tootsie Rolls, I may add. Uh, the, the, the truth is he was one of those soldiers that said that believed but it was yeah. you and i on that trip together and that obviously helped bond us even further the first uh inkling i knew of you a golfing friend of ours jim yeah. gallagher right asked me if i would uh, if he came to that if you came to nashville would i talk to you and listen to your music music and uh, i said okay and that's uh, right I listened to it, and I said, I think, Steve, you're probably two years, year and a half away from moving to Nashville. You stay on the road, keep making money, playing gigs, and eventually you're going to make it here. But you you don't want to get here too early. You come too early, you got too many years to... <laughs> that was that gracious what... letdown I talked about in the intro. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> Oh, man, I love it. Well, you were, and I remember leaving that meeting, uh, and I remember going like, man, he's a nice guy. But then I remember wanting to beat you so bad on the golf course. <laughs> I said, I got I to gotta beat him so he can pay attention to me now a little bit more. Uh, but uh, You did several times. <laughs> no, well, you know, I think you did more. 
All right, we're talking R.C. Bannon. R.C., I want to dig into the Mandrell days. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. I got to back up before the Mandrell days. When you write the song for Ronnie Millsap, the number one song, <clears throat> I remember that song so well. What? How did that come down? Where Where were you in your career? Uh, we just uh, just signed with uh, <clears throat> uh, Warner Brothers, and uh, I'd been in town three uh, three months. I signed with Warner's. Uh, John Bettis, uh, the yeah. great John Bettis, yeah. um, and I were sitting at, um, when the November award show of 76 came on the air, Ronnie won, um, entertainer of the year. And, uh, I, um, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. As the next year, 77. And he won Entertainer of the Year. And uh, I said he was saying things about his wife as uh, real good. And so he said, uh, I'd look to John. I said, John, we ought, to write, we ought to write what Ronnie's saying. And he said, yeah, you're right. So we did. And uh, <laughs> Come on. <laughs> they they pitched a song and... Uh, uh, I knew he cut it, and so uh, the uh, the publishing company, I uh, can't think of his name now, but the head of the publishing company uh, called up and told me, he said, man, we really tried, and we, we we just couldn't, Ronnie just couldn't do it. And so I was depressed and yeah. thinking I had uh, Ronnie Millsap song. Well, uh, in January of 1978, he went in again and cut that record, and uh, I was. Uh, it came out as a single in March and was on its way to number one when April seventh passed, and I'd been in town two years at that time, and uh, that's really fast by Nashville times. Uh, well, you know, it to is. make it, it is. And uh, but I had six years. Remember, remember that six years I was talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. Are we still <laughs> counting that? In that is that still counting? Are we still counting that? In no, eight that years? <laughs> yeah, really. That yeah, really. Um, and that's how fast that that uh, I was cruising down 16th Avenue in Nashville, and I heard that for the first time on the radio, and I had to pull into the sound shops. Uh, driveway and I just cried like a baby because oh, wow. I had tried so hard and so much had built up in me and and um, oh, everything wow. came rolling out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've cried like that too. I get it. <clears throat> We're talking to R.C. Yeah. Man and I love it. So, all right. So that happens. When do you and Louise meet, Mandrell meet at the we time meet, Mandrell? Uh, <laughs> yeah, at uh, Fanfare back in the 70s. It was uh, uh, call fanfare now it's called something else but um, everybody then uh, they had a stage you know the studio musicians played uh, all of our songs so you're on stage you. and you're going up the, uh, well <clears throat> the night before we have a rehearsal with those musicians and Slim Whitman was messing up my time because we only had 30 minutes <laughs> And he was going through and going through songs, and he'd keep going through. And, and I was I was trying to get home to see the Seattle Supersonics playing the Chicago Bulls, and I was trying to get home for that. 
and she came up to me and said, um, I just want you to, she said, I'm our, I'm Louise Mandrell. And that didn't mean nothing to me because uh, she hadn't even had a record out yet. Uh, she said, uh, I'm Louise Mandrell, and I just want you to know that uh, I do your record uh, on my road shows. And I said, well, thanks very much. Appreciate it. And I just go on about my business. Well, the next day, uh, we're behind stage. And she kept uh, bumping, you know, incidentally, accidentally bumping in me. Oh, God. And, I, uh, <laughs> I so want to hear her side said, of the story. <laughs> yeah. I said, uh, looks like we bump into each other before we go. And she said, I hope you don't mind. You oh, know, I those eyes it. looking at me. And yeah. I said, books, I'm hooked. I'm hooked. And uh, <laughs> Charlie, Charlie McClain was. Uh, I was supposed to uh, stand beside Charlie McClain. She asked me to. I said, I will. And then I met Louise uh, backstage like that, and we started to go up on stage and um, for the encore. You know, I saw Wyatt and stuff. And, um, and so Louise said, would you stand beside me? And I said, sure. And so I just let Charlie go to the other side of the stage and, I went with Louise to the other side of the stage, and uh, I was getting some real dares, man. She was looking at me real mean, and uh, I couldn't help it. I was in love, yeah. you know, Imme <laughs> immediately. <laughs> well, I love it. I, I love that. You're listening to In a Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar. I want to let you know that once we get through this mess, Folks, we will. A Mississippi adventure will be there waiting for you. Just go to visitmississippi.org to find out more. We'll be right back with my pal R.C. Bannon in a moment right here in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studio. Don't you go nowhere. With humble beginnings all the way back to 1943, Guarantee Bank has grown from offering the basic banking services and products to serving customers with a comprehensive, complete line of expertise and products only expected at much larger institutions. We are proud to be your local big-time bank. So when you're looking for a bank you can truly depend on and trust, and like me so many years ago trying to find my way around, let Guarantee Bank, with its 17 convenient locations, help you on your journey and become a wonderful addition to your family like they have mine for over 30 years. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I got me a brand new car Waiting in the driveway Shining like a bright new star You're listening to In a Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar. I want to let you know that once we get through this mess, and folks, we will, a Mississippi adventure will be there waiting for you. Just go to visitmississippi.org to find out more. We'll be right back with my pal R.C. Bannon in a moment right here in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studios. So when does the Mandrell Sisters show? Because you guys leave and you move. You and Louise get married, right? Right. Am I on? Am I am I on point here? Uh, yeah, you. We got married six months later. Oh, uh, okay, all right. <laughs> in '79, the show didn't come along till 1981, um, and those two years, uh, Louis 
uh, had a little, eh, a little bit of airplay, you know, and her records were uh, 40, top 40, top 50, and stuff like that. And I was the one, the bread maker in the town because, I mean, in the marriage, because uh, I was having hits on the radio. Yeah. And so we were living off of that money. And uh, the show went down because the girls were seen on Mike Douglas' show, and Brandon Cart- Kartikoff was the head of NBC and saw them and said, uh, I think uh, that's That'd be a good idea for a special, so he hired us to do a uh, one-hour special, and it was that was all it was originally. We had three weeks of rehearsal. Ah, time so it was just LA. a one-off. I got you. Uh, and uh, Brandon came by after uh, about Thursday, that first week of rehearsal, and he saw the girls, and he said, "Hmm, I'm we we make and make it." three weeks and so uh he came by the third week when before just before we went on the air he came by and he said uh, hmm i think we can make this six weeks <laughs> and then he came by that as soon as his show hit the airwaves he said uh we're gonna make this into a series and wow. that's that's how the show came about. We had no idea how big uh, television made you uh, until we were in between seasons. We were booked for Lawrence, Kansas, and um, we had originally was booked there for twenty five hundred dollars, which was our uh, fee at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, the we had to cancel because we're the show came up and so we're doing the show and we promised him that we'd come back under that contract at the same price. Well, we rolled up in the bus <laughs> and looked out. I looked out the window and I said, geez, who are we with? And I went back <laughs> down to Louise. I looked at the contract and I said, Hmm. So I got Louise brought up front. I said, look here. And I pulled the curtain back, and she said, man, who are we with? And I said, it's just you, baby. Yeah, I love and it. And that's when I, that's when all at once, everything went boom. Bonkers. We went from 2500 on up uh, overnight. And that guy, hey, I tell you what, he got all of his uh, tables and stuff. He put them back, and... He put up chairs all the way across and in this in this little uh, tavern or whatever you call it. And uh, I love it. We did had to do two shows, and um, he was a very wealthy man. Yeah, well, yeah. After <laughs> that show, you can't, you're talking about promoting. You're talking about winning. Look, you guys coming. You guys coming back and fulfilling that commitment. Is 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 the Louise and RC that I've always gotten to know and understand? I mean, a lot yeah. of people. A lot of people. You know, actually, we had an act. The reason Monday our song got stuck at number two. The truth was, Houston, yeah. your Texas market wasn't playing it, and 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 we were told one thing. That's but right. the Bottom line was, they were upset because another act, big act on our on our my label, at the time, promised them a show that they bailed on. And so we I were. I didn't know about that. That was the fact because that when I uh, went to when I went to see them afterwards, 
they told me. And they said that then they apologized. I said, that's not going to work. Apologies aren't going to aren't accepted. And they were the first radio stations in America to play Waiting on Joe. They came in two weeks early thinking that would be, you know, they were trying to apologize and that was nice. But, you know, yeah. number one would have been nice instead of number two. Do <laughs> <laughs> you, you remember what uh, you remember what record was number one? Alan Jackson's Drive. Right. Can you uh, remember that number three was uh, George Strait's uh, Run. Yeah, and we had passed George's, <laughs> which is which is Anthony's yeah. song, Anthony Smith's song. We had passed it. The, the yeah. interesting thing was the label would go, okay, we're pulling the plug, but they couldn't. It just stayed at number two. <laughs> it wouldn't go it anywhere. There. But, but yeah. now, you know, now you look, we're you know we're nearing our four million airplay, and uh, yeah. and it's so it's been played like it's been six number one. So I mean, it's all good. I mean, this song has been a blessing and. Well, let me tell you what, you and I have had a great ride together, <clears throat> and you're in my prayers. Stroke or not, you're still R.C. Bannon, and, and you sound great, and uh, and I love you, pal, and I, I appreciate you spending a Mississippi minute with me. we got to get together soon, and I promise you we will make that happen. All right, buddy. See ya. Oh, yeah. Reminding you guys that once we get through these trying times, and we will, an adventure in Mississippi is right there for you. Go to visit Mississippi.org to find out more. I'm Steve Azar, in a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.